Hello, I'm Erin, and welcome to Drift. This is a place for fairy tales, for happily ever afters, for gentle lessons, and for stories that we hope you'll remember long after you've heard them, if you hear all of them. For it's also a place to go to sleep, to rest your weary head, and set your mind at ease. Tonight's story is based on The Swineherd by the famous author Hans Christian Andersen. And I've given it a few flourishes of my own just for you here on Drift. Now, I confess I'd not heard of the swineherd before, even though my own grandfather was a part-time pig farmer, too. Our visits to him and my grandma included rides on an ancient horse named Tony and sleepovers in a living room that included antlers on the walls and cuckoo clocks that were exhaustingly consistent. But we never, ever got too close to the pigs. Frankly, they didn't smell too good to a kid. Not to an adult either, I'm sure, now that I think of it. But tonight, we'll get to know a young woman who didn't mind that swiney stink at all, really, and comes out smelling like a rose. Before we take you to our story, which has some lovely twists, I promise you, take a moment first to breathe. That's not so hard, right? First, a big inhale. Let it go. Good. Now we're just going to do it again. Inhale. And as you exhale, just let your shoulders drop. Now your head is going to feel heavy as it sinks into your pillow. Your lids gently closed and your jaw limp. Are those shoulders still down? Relax your arms and your hands. Now your hips. Let them sink into your mattress. And relax your backside too. Your legs from your thighs and calves right down to your toes. Wiggle them if you can. And let those little piggies have a rest. With one more breath, inhale. And exhale. Think these words. I am safe. I am loved. I am at peace. And if you're ready, let's drift. Long ago, in a land far away, there lived a young woman, barely out of girlhood, but old enough to know the burdens of an adult life. For her own existence was hardly one of fairy tales and pumpkins turning into carriages. She knew no Rumpelstiltskins or Hansels or even Gretels. No, this young lady, whose name was Philippa, had what you and I would call a hard life. Orphaned before her teens, young Philippa had hardly anything to her name. There was a small plot of land. Just a square of grass, really. Five very fragrant piggies. A ramshackle shack. Or a ramshack, I suppose. And a rickety, falling-down fence that surrounded it. 
Philippa was not one to lament her lot in life. She would go about her daily chores, which mostly consisted of feeding her pigs, whose births she remembered most vividly, because initially, you see, there were seven, until Mama Pig, who was no longer with them, napped too heavily one day, turned over, and, well, then there were five. Day in and day out, Philippa did her chores and dreamed. She had a wonderful imagination. She could see on the horizon the pointy turret of a stone castle, plastered white that shone brilliantly in the day and glowed with candlelight from within at night. To her, that turret was like a finger that pointed to the sky and reminded her that there, way up there, those were her limits. She had none, and she only needed to keep working hard and trying her best. Philippa was grateful for that reminder as she trod the muck and worked from sunrise to sunset. She would imagine living in that castle, of wearing soft, flowing gowns instead of a scratchy, tattered wool dress and flower sack apron. She would wipe her brow and imagine hot water baths and soap that smelled not of lye, but of lavender. And oh, to eat until she was full. But beyond that, Philippa held hope in her heart of finding someone she could love, who would love her to the moon and back, someone with whom she could partner for her life and then dream sweet dreams at night instead of falling onto a prickly hay mattress alone in exhaustion to the sounds of the nightingale in a nearby tree and, yes, the flies around her head. Now, dreams are a fine thing to keep you going, but they're not much help around a farm. For as seasons passed and Philippa turned eighteen, the shack became more dilapidated, the fence fell down completely, and her little patch of grass more closely resembled straw. As for the pigs, they just continued to become more and more odiferous. One day, after feeding the pigs and taking a good, close look at her surroundings, Philippa decided that she was going to make the best of what she had. For really, what else could she do? She wanted her house to be her castle, so she set to work. She dug up a hammer half-buried in the ground and gathered rusty nails that she found here and there. She straightened boards that were falling from her shack and hammered them into place. Standing on her tiptoes on a rain barrel's edge, she repaired a hole in her roof where birds, bugs, and rain came in at all hours. She retrieved the shovel she used to muck out the pigsty and dug a moat around her tiny house, hauled water from the well, and filled it, and used that moat to bathe her pigs and to bring her little patch of grass back to life. And around that lawn, she drove the stakes of her fence further into the hard ground so that they stood upright. As she worked under the summer sun, the song of a nightingale keeping her company for yes, they do sing during the day, an idea occurred to her. So, with a half can of paint from behind the shack, she whitewashed her newly vertical fence so that it would guard her little house 
which she also treated to a bright new, albeit thin, coat. How her tiny corner of the world sparkled just as brightly, she imagined, as the eyes and smile of beautiful Prince Percival in that distant kingdom. As she wiped her paint-covered and calloused hands on her apron, Philippa sat on a rock and sighed. Prince Percival, the very image of grace and kindness, she imagined, with tight dark curls and full lips, his smooth soft skin a deep coffee brown, the same shade as her own. Of course, she'd never met the prince. She only knew how beautiful and regal were his parents from their parades through the nearby town, so surely their only offspring would share their best traits. He was about her age and was said to be searching for a wife. Ah, yes, our poor modest Philippa dreamed big all right, but now that she'd seen what she could accomplish on her little patch of the kingdom, she was reminded what the turret taught her. Keep looking up, for the sky's the limit. It occurred to Philippa one fine day that she should take a chance on making her dream come true by walking to the brilliant castle and presenting the royal couple and their handsome and eligible son with a gift, for then surely they would love her. She had almost nothing but snipped the finest fuchsia-colored rose that grew in her neighbor's yard, with her permission, of course, and with a cage she made out of branches and baling twine, she was able to contain the gentle sweet nightingale who serenaded her so often. Philippa combed her naturally curly hair, made sure her dress was as clean and tidy as it could be, and set off with her rose and her cage to the castle in the distance. After several hours of walking, accompanied by the bird's gentle song, Philippa arrived at the castle, which was even more breathtaking close up. How it sparkled in the sunlight. This is where her dream would come true. She was greeted by the queen, the king, and their dreamy son, Percival. Well, goodness, this is the most beautiful rose I've ever seen, exclaimed the queen. Pray, who are you, and from what kingdom? Your Majesty, I, I am Philippa of far away. Oh, dear, she thought, that won't do. Fairway, Philippa of Fairway, and I've also brought for you this lovely bird. She handed over her cage to the king, who declared he had never heard a song so sweet, and during broad daylight at that, both the king and queen thanked Philippa, and then passed the gifts along to their son Percival, who waved them off and pointed at the corner. Put them there with the rest of them he said in a very undreamy sort of way. In fact, not to trust first impressions, but Percy, it seems, was a bit of a jerk. Then, as if to confirm that suspicion right away, he said, Don't get your hopes up, miss. I haven't made up my mind who I shall marry. Seeing as how she'd come from Fairway, which was clearly far away since they'd never heard of it, the king and queen offered Philippa a bed for the night. But, with so many other young ladies also visiting with gifts for their son, they had only a bed in a pigsty adjacent to the castle to offer her. 
The young woman, disappointed by the reception she got from Prince Pricklepants, was even more crestfallen when she saw her accommodations. If it was possible, they were even shabbier than the house she had just left. Everything was falling apart or well past that stage, and honestly, it wasn't even fit for a pig. But rather than lie on her ragged blanket on the cold floor and cry, which is what it occurred to her to do, Philippa put her imagination in gear and started to pick up around her room, just as she had at home. If she was going to be in a castle, she wanted it to feel like one. She went to work until she was so tired, she didn't care that she was sleeping on a rag on the floor. The next morning, as the rooster greeted the sun in the east, she heard a knock on her door. Jumping up, after rubbing a finger across her teeth, pinching her cheeks and straightening her dress and her hair, she opened the creaky, drafty door, expecting to see the young prince. But it was Robert, one of the prince's twelve servants. After he bid her a gentle, Good morning, milady, he told her that he was sorry to say his master had not yet made up his mind. Thank you, said Philippa with a smile, hiding her disappointment. So the next day, same time, same knock, same servant, same message. And so it continued for an entire week, and then another, and another. After making the half-day trek home to get her pigs, then herding them back to the castle's own sty, her sty, Philippa once again tried to make the best of things. She took advantage of this time to build a new life here. Finding bits and pieces around the castle grounds, she was able to create some amazing things, like a musical instrument that would magically play whatever song its user wanted. She wove reeds into a mat on which she could sleep and made blinds of a sort with the reeds to cover her windows. But most amazingly of all, Philippa created mechanical chickens from pieces of metal lying around the shed, some baling twine, fencing wire, and other odds and ends. And these chickens could do whatever chores Philippa needed done. All she had to do was wind them up and away they would go. Soon Philippa had enough incredible wares that she opened a shop in front of the castle and sold her pieces to villagers who came from far and wide to see these ingenious inventions and to get to know this lovely young woman from Fairway. She enjoyed chatting and explaining each item, but truthfully there was no one she was more pleased to see each day than the prince's faithful servant, Robert. For every morning he would come by with some small gift just to see her smile. He brought her a hairpin he had found to adorn her tresses, although she used it for one of her inventions instead. A book that the royal family no longer wished to keep. There were figs from the trees and grapes from the vineyard. Plus one day, a cinnamon stick brought from the far east by one of the king's friends. His gifts were modest but each one was given with the greatest amount of kindness and affection, and Philippa was grateful to have a friend for the first time in forever. As you can imagine, the crowds who gathered not to see their majesties but to visit young Philippa attracted the castle's inhabitants' attention. 
So one day the king and queen decided to come down from their turret and pay her a visit themselves. Reluctantly, for it seemed that that was just his way, Prince Percival shuffled along behind them. They waved and smiled, well, two of them did, at the crowd who were surprised to see their regal rulers in their midst. The royal parents were in for a surprise themselves, for they were delighted with the beautiful renovations Philippa had made to their run-down pigsty. Mossy, moldy brick walls had been scrubbed almost to a shine. Sprigs of fresh and drying lavender perfumed the air, and homemade beeswax candles gently illuminated her small home. She had tomatoes drying in the sun on a table and grew pots and pots of fresh herbs on a window ledge. Why, even the pigs looked handsome and clean, brushed and content. They'd been bathed in rose water and looked pink and perfect. Will you look at this, my son? What a brilliant woman we have here, and what a perfect wife she would make for you. Prince Prickle Pants was his typical disaffected self and mumbled, Ugh, I could never marry a pig farmer. I prefer swineherd, if you please, said Philippa, breaking protocol by correcting the prince and wondering how she could ever have imagined that this, this drip might be the man of her dreams. The king and queen paid no attention to his rudeness, for indeed they were quite accustomed to it. Rather, they were enchanted by the musical instruments this young woman had made, and quite uncharacteristically, they took each other's hands and performed a small waltz to the tune that played. Then, after light applause from those gathered, the couple resumed their regal state and marveled at the mechanical chickens, the likes of which they had never before seen. Philippa demonstrated just a few of their abilities, feeding the pigs, sweeping the floors. This woman's talents were quite beyond compare. Just then, if one was paying attention, one would have seen that a light went on in the prince's eyes as he seemed to come to a realization. With these mechanical creatures, I would never have to do chores again. Never mind that he did absolutely no chores now, thought the servant Robert, who had accompanied the prince today to hold his gloves, should he need assistance. The prince's regular pout turned into a smirky smile for he was rather unaccustomed to wearing an expression that was even remotely happy on his face. The king and queen admired Philippa's hard work and brilliant inventions, and made their affections for this girl quite clear, even going as far as to hug her, and saying again that their son should clearly marry this woman. To their utter amazement and relief, he smiled and said, And I will. Wonderful, shouted the king, as the queen clasped her hands in jubilation. And then his majesty declared, Tomorrow there will be a grand parade through town, and at its end you will announce to whom you will pledge your troth. Call the crier, Robert, and make the announcement, for tomorrow will be a grand day indeed. With that, the royal trio began to leave the pigsty 
to return to their far grander accommodations. But walking behind them, his head bowed, his hand over his eyes, was the servant, Robert. Although he tried to hide it, clearly he was crying, and Philippa saw this. She caught up with him and tapped his shoulder. As he turned, she said, Robert, whatever is the matter? You see, he said, gazing at her through teary eyes, tomorrow is the parade, and my weeks of greeting you each day will come to an end, for the prince has finally seen the light and chosen you for his bride, as well he should, and I will lose you forever. Poor, humble, kind Robert had become more smitten with Philippa each day as he admired her cleverness, her optimism, her intelligence, and her kindness, her spirit, and her imagination. Truly, what was there not to love? She said to him quietly, It may have taken the prince weeks and weeks to decide, but I made up my own mind quite some time ago. The servant looked morose. Philippa went on, Tomorrow, come with the prince before we begin the parade. I will, he said, for he wanted one final goodbye, and then he rushed to catch up with the king, queen, and prince. The next day dawned with skies as blue as a Ceylon sapphire. The rooster seemed extra cheerful, and the birds sang more loudly than Philippa could even remember. Of course, she had conjured this scene before in the dreams she dared to have as she looked from her shack towards the shining turret and pictured in her mind and heart a life within its rounded walls. Today she peered out her sty window, its sill now bare, its woven blinds having been taken down and packed away with all of her possessions and inventions. And there Philippa saw the prince coming towards her, down a brick walkway, still shiny with the early morning dew. She looked a little more closely, and yes, it truly was just as she had imagined, for the man of her dreams was indeed approaching. The prince poked his head inside her open door and looked around, noticing the pigs were gone and, well, so were all of the things she had created. No more mechanical chickens, no more instruments hanging on the walls, all gone. Are you going somewhere? Don't we have a parade to lead? he asked. I am going somewhere. I'm going home, back to where I came from, with the man of my dreams. Well, at this, the prince shook his head in confusion. But no, my dear Pippa, Penelope, we are not going back to your nasty little farm. Philippa, she said firmly, it's Philippa. You don't even know my name, and you think that just like that, because you're the prince, I'll begin a new life with you? I, I don't love you, Prince Percival. In fact, I'm not even sure I like you. Well, at this, the prince's jaw dropped open for no one not even the nannies to whom he was so nasty, putting tree sap in their hair and pine cones on their chairs, hiding mice in their pillowcases, and leaving cow pies at their bedside at night so they would step out in the morning into a tidy pile of manure. 
Not one of them had said they didn't like him, for he was the prince, and surely that made him lovable. I mean, wasn't it a law somewhere? I, I, I should tell my father and mother. They'll put you in the dungeon. I doubt it, said Philippa with confidence. They're far more likely to invite me to decorate it. You see, your parents at least appreciate a person of quality. I did not have means when I came here, and I still don't accept what I've earned with my own hard work and these two hands. But at least I am a good person, and you, sir, you are not. And I wish you luck finding someone who will love, or for that matter, even like you. For you have a great many things to learn. Tch, from a pig farmer, he scoffed. Swineherd, can you not just say that once? All right, swineherd. But who will teach me? Then his voice became a most unroyal whine. Won't you teach me? That is neither my place nor my preference, Prince Percival. But here's a head start. You could begin by treating your servants with kindness and respect. Like this one, she said, pointing at Robert, who was watching from behind his master in stunned silence, his eyes like saucers, as the arrogant Percival got the dressing down he had deserved since his days in the palace nursery. What is his name, sir? It's Roger. Rodney. No, definitely Roger. Wrong, wrong, and wrong again. It's Robert. Robert Sumner. And how do I know that? Because I talk with him. I've gotten to know him. I've befriended him. And I love him. And with that, she took Robert's hand and said, Come, Mr. Sumner, we are leaving this place. I have my own castle to show you. As the prince stood slack-jawed, Robert and Philippa stepped past him and walked towards the road where her five pigs were loaded up with Philippa's belongings, from mechanical chickens to magical music makers, and the seven of them began their trek along the winding road back to where Philippa came from all those weeks ago in search of her dream come true. As they walked, the people of the town came out of their houses and stood at the roadside and cheered heartily for the young couple in love. While it was not the parade they had expected that day, the people knew they were witnessing a love story between the bright young woman they had all taken to their hearts and the beaming, handsome man at her side. They watched the young woman who followed her dreams and then made it a reality, not with a wish or a kiss, not with a talking frog. She did it with hard work, a sense of optimism, and a heart that never let go of her dream, of a good home and a kind and respectful partner who would love her, pigs and all. And as the people waved, the most unlikely, humble and happy parade wended towards faraway fairway a man and a woman in love, holding hands and guiding the snuffling, snorting drift of happy, loaded-down pigs. Wee, 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 all the way home. For a group of pigs is called a drift, and that's how I knew this story would be perfect for us here. And they did indeed live happily ever after.
With that, I bid you a good night. So drift off <laughs> and sweet dreams. <laughs>